Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Well, I know Brother Ayers taught for a few weeks um, about love. So I guess that's why the Lord drop this into my spirit. Uh, We're going to continue talking about love just in a little bit of a different way. Um, And so my title of these lessons will be to know him is to love him. To know him is to love him. So I have a simple question for us today. Which comes first? No, not the chicken or the egg. (laughs) The knowing or the loving? The knowing or the loving? Now, I guess that depends on if we're asking which comes first for God. Did he know us first or did he love us first? I don't know. I think it's probably one and the same. (laughs) Since he created us and he loves us. But what about us? What comes first for us in relationships, the knowing or the loving? When we meet a person for the first time, do we automatically love them? Not infatuation, (laughs) Um, but true, genuine love. A love that says, I would die for you. Now, Brother Ayers said it at the beginning of his lessons, how that we lightly use the word love. Uh, We love Taco Bell or we love whatever it is. Uh, Pastor would be saying chocolate and steak. Now, for me, I use that word when I see pictures of those hairy little cows. They're all over the internet. And when I see the picture, I'm like, oh, I love them. (laughs) Oh, I want one. (laughs) I say I love them, and then I'm like, I want to get to know them better, like living in my backyard. Oh, or any baby animal, and they kind of look like babies. So I did tease my husband. I had a little bit of birthday money. And uh, so I said, I'm going to go shopping and see if I can find something for my birthday. Well, I saw somebody had taken a picture of their new little baby, Harry Cow. I really shouldn't know the name of these things. I don't even know the name of them. And it was in the floorboard of their car. So I just sent that picture over to him and said, I found my birthday present. And he's like, so where's that thing sleeping? I'm like, on your side of the bed. <laughs> Oh, we do say that we love a lot of things. And I don't know those cows, but I don't really feel like I have to know them to love them. They're just cute. (laughs) But I'm kind of hoping over the next few weeks of these lessons um, to be able to convey to you what the Lord just really put in my spirit. um, To know him is to love him. 
I do believe on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, we should be improving our relationship with God. Like where you are with God right now should look different than it did last year at this time. We should have a little bit more understanding of him. We should love him even more than we did before because we have more understanding of him. Just as it would be with any relationship that you have with anyone that you love. That relationship should continue to grow in love. And we all know that if there's a problem, there's like the brakes are put on in that relationship and you're trying to figure out what is the problem here because I'm not feeling a lot of love right now. So I feel like, well, I know we should all be trying to improve and in our relationship with God, getting to know him more. The greatest tangible yet everlasting gift that you and I have been given is this book. The Bible. The Word of God. You could say to better know God is the entire purpose of the Bible. To better know God. Not only can you get to know God better, his characteristics, his thoughts, his ways, but we can also establish a very personal relationship with the holiness of God by spending time in his word. It's not really a great mystery to get to know God. Yes, there are some words, some chapters, some verses in here that seem very mysterious and we do not understand them at all and we may have to take them and go to commentaries and try to figure them out or we just move on to the next verse and say, I'll figure that out later and then we never go back. <laughs> um, but knowing God... It can be a feeling as much as it can be an understanding. So John 1, chapters, or verses 1 through 5, talks about the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. Well, how can that be? From the very beginning of time, how can this book have been in the very beginning? These things hadn't even happened yet. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen? The same was in the beginning with God. All these things in this book is from the very beginning. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Skipping down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. 
They didn't know him. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. They didn't really know him either. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, who is the word? Jesus is the word. God is the word because they're all one. And the word was made flesh. Talking about in the form of Jesus Christ and dwelt among us. So in the beginning was the word. God in the heavens. He's the word. And then that word became flesh. We're getting ready to celebrate that, right? <laughs> and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. So these scriptures explain to us why we call our Bibles the word of God. The words in this book, they're not just mere words. They're very much alive, living, breathing words of God Almighty. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in how to come into a covenant relationship with God. A relationship that meets his approval. Wow. This book does all of that. It lets me know how to come into a covenant relationship with God. Now we know these truths and we believe the words on these pages. I don't think there's anyone in the room today that would say, I do not believe that is the inspired word of God. I don't believe it's the living word of God that can be trusted. If that was the case, you probably wouldn't be here. <clears throat> this is where we heard for the first time about forgiveness of our sins. This is where we heard about repentance. This is where we heard of how to be saved, how to make it to heaven. This is where we were taught about baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. All of that is the word of God. I'm so thankful for the word of God. <laughs> we believe this book. We've experienced the salvation of this book. So here's our dilemma. We know the Bible is truth. Anyone in the room believe the Bible is truth? That every word is truth. All right. We know by experience that God is his word. He's true to his word. He's not a liar. So why do we tend to separate him from his word? Now let me explain that. We hear the word taught. 
hear the word preached or we go through a Bible study on our own, uh, we take it all in and we believe what it is said and we are good for a while. And then trouble comes. Dark times come. Sickness happens. We're hit with really, really extremely hard circumstances sometimes. Financial woes hit us. It always baffles me that I feel like we get more upset over financial woes than almost any other problem. Like we could be on our deathbed, but we're worried about our bills, you know. <laughs> and somehow, when these things happen, we can forget what we've learned. Maybe temporarily forget. We forget the character of the one that we've pledged our lives to. Why? This is my question, not for you, for me, for all of us. Why do we spend so much of our energy and time worrying and crying and being stressed out and full of anxiety? Why do we need pills to calm down and go to sleep and keep our minds straight? I really feel like the answer is because we really don't know God like we need to know God. And that's why I said I feel like we should always be improving on our relationship with God. In other words, always working to get to know him more. It's one thing to read about him. It's another thing to hear about him from others who know him. But it is a whole different level to know God for ourselves. We, we stand amazed at people that no matter what they're going through, the words coming out of their mouth is God is good. God is good. I don't know how he's going to work it out, but he is. I trust him. I mean, they could be in a very, very, very dark time, dark situation. Family, how many know that family issues like really get to your heart more than anything else? Because that's the people you love the most. And people, I've watched them go through difficult times like Times where other people would turn around and walk away from God and say, well, if that's the kind of God that is, then I'm not having it. I'm not serving him. But they're consistent and they're steadfast. And no matter when you see them, they're the same. And they never seem to waver in their faith in God. You know who those people are? It's people that know him. They don't have... This surface relationship with God that when everything's falling apart, they are falling apart too. No, these are people that just steadfast. They just, because they know him so well, they know the character of God. Not just do they know him, but they've seen him come through so many times. I think I've told this story before. 
<clears throat> but I remember being in very, very privileged <laughs> to be in the home of Sister Nona Freeman. And there were some minister's wives. We were just gathering. We were just going to sit at her feet <laughs> and let her talk. And that's what we did. But right before we started, one of the pastor's wives came in and she was frantic. One of the babies in their church had just been taken to the ER with head trauma. And uh, the baby was only like three months old. And this pastor's wife, she was just like, we've got to pray. Can we just go to prayer right now? we got to intercede for this baby. Well, yes, it's a very serious situation. And so I'm sitting because I'm selfish like Jeffrey with mother. Um, I'm sitting right next to Sister Freeman. I got there early to get that seat. <laughs> and so as everybody else broke into like travailing prayer, I could hear her. Now, Jesus, you know this baby. You know what's happened. So I'm just asking you to take care of this baby, let there be no damage, and let them figure out what happened. And the rest of the time, she just sat there. <laughs> I'm sure she, thank you, Jesus, whatever. So I'm trying to do what I know to do, like, oh, God, heal this baby. <laughs> and that's what everybody in the room is doing. But that experience spoke volumes to me. She knew him. <laughs> I guess you can't live in Africa for so many years, 40 years or whatever it was, and have all of those needs and watch God come through every single time and not know him. <laughs> um, that spoke volumes to me. It was just this quiet, peaceful trust. And then she spoke. When everybody finished praying, she spoke. Everything's going to be all right. The baby's going to be fine. And sure enough, we got done with our little meeting. We went to the restaurant, and the pastor's wife got a phone call, and the baby was perfectly fine. No damage, um, and God revealed what had happened. So God answered. But that, that spoke volumes to my spirit. There's several warnings in the Bible about false teachers, people that come in and try to get us to believe their ways. The Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. Some scriptures say they're deceitful. They twist the word. They're seducers and possess seducing spirits. And I know that we are in a place in time where people... I mean, they're just making up religions over anything and everything. And some are going to sound convincing and have just enough of the word of God in it to twist things around and maybe be very convincing. And the Bible lets us know that many will fall away because of following after people like this. So how do we protect ourselves from false doctrine, from seducing spirits, from pharisaical attitudes, on and on, all those things that the Bible warns against, 
How do we protect ourselves from ever falling into those traps? Well, it's just like how they train tellers at the bank. They don't give them a bunch of fake money to train them and then throw a real dollar bill in there and see if they can feel the difference. No, they give them all real money and let them get a feel for real money. And then when a fake comes along, they can spot it. When you know Jesus, when you know him, more and more and more, we don't need to rely on someone else that follows Christ and just take their word for it. We must know him for ourselves. And when you know him, and when you know his character, and when you understand his ways, then you can spot a hypocrite, or you can spot someone with seducing spirits. Nobody has to tell you. You don't have to go to pastor and ask him. You will know, because you know the real deal. You know Jesus. I remember at one point, we had some people come into the church, and... I mean, they were so sweet, like sugar dripped off their words. And they really are genuinely sweet people. But there was something in me, the Holy Ghost in me, that said, just watch. Not that I was judging. It was the Holy Ghost in me saying, just, you know, you don't believe everything by your sight. And yes, I loved them and... Treated them like I would treat anybody else. But in the back of my mind and in my spirit, I knew that something was off. And within a, a period of time, it proved to be true. After giving a warning to people in the Bible, what they should be aware of, the false teachers, the doc, false doctrines, and then Paul was talking about some of the persecution that he had been through. He writes this to the Philippians. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win. What does that mean? That I may win him. It means to come into fellowship with him. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then he, Paul said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, that I may know him. This should be the ultimate goal for every Christian. 
that I may know him. Many people start out searching for God. It's an awesome thing. They're looking for help. We've been praying for people to become desperate. That's what we want because when people are desperate, they turn to God. They search maybe the first time just to experience God. Or maybe they have a God moment and we're praying for those too. Where they begin to wonder, who is this God and how can I get to know him? We know there's several different ways that we can get to know people we can, and even get to know God. We can begin a relationship with someone by just one encounter. There are those people that you feel like the first time you met them, you didn't know them, but you're like, oh, I love this person. And we say it. This is how I felt about Jenna when I first met her. <laughs> She's awesome. So it can just be one time, a one-time encounter. Somebody can say, uh, so do you know John Smith? And so we can say, well, I've met him, but I don't really know him. Or maybe we've met him a few times, and we can say, well, I know him on a casual basis. I've had a few conversations. And then there are friendships that are built on or even family members, let's just say, of someone that you really know them. And someone says, do you know John Smith? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know John. He's good. Here's his good points. Let me tell you about his good points. But watch out for his bad points. <laughs> I know his children. I know his wife. I know where he was raised. I even know his favorite dessert. Just Anything you want to know about John Smith, I can tell you because I know him. I've known him for a long time. Well, to know someone, first, it has to do with the amount of time that is spent with that person, right? If you know them like that, you've spent a lot of time with them. Unless it was just one conversation and John Smith told you his life story. <laughs> but the second part of that is how that time is spent. It's not just about the amount of time, but how is that time spent? Because, you know, let's face it, you could spend years even living with someone and not know them. And there are a lot of people in prison that that has been said of. Why? They lived with me for years, and I didn't know them like that. I didn't know they were capable of that. But Paul said in that verse, that I may know him. This phrase means so much more than it seems on the surface. He's not just saying, I want to get to know God. Like he's my buddy. I want to get to know him. I want to hang out with him. He's actually saying this is what this, that word know interprets to. I want to know him intimately. I want to understand God. I want to know how he thinks and how he feels. That word know can actually be translated into the word intercourse. In other words, I want to know him in the closest connection that you can have with someone. Paul 
wanted to know his Savior intimately. Hopefully, if we're in a relationship that includes that type of intimacy, it's with someone, first of all, that we're married to. And that same someone is someone we know very, very well. And Paul was not just interested in knowing God as the God with all the power. He said, I don't want to just know him in the power of resurrection. When everything is great and on the mountaintop and I see his power working here and there. I don't want to just know that God. But he went on to say, I want to truly know him to the point of being with him in his suffering. Fellowshipping with him. In other words, partaking of the same suffering that Christ endured. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't really know that I've ever said that to the Lord. Please let me suffer with you so I can know you better. Woo. He was saying, I want to participate with Christ in suffering. Again, this is intimacy. This is the type of participation that is the same as stated before in knowing him. In other words, the most intimate connection you can have with someone. Have you ever said to someone and really meant it, I wish I could take your pain. I wish I could be the one hurting and not you. I would say yes, probably most of us have said that and we have meant it. I would love to take your pain so you would not have to suffer. Paul ends this verse with saying, I am even willing to conform to his death. I'll even join myself in death with Christ. This is not Romeo and Juliet. This is a love between a human being and his savior. Between a man and his creator. A normal flesh and blood man that walked the earth. And his relationship with his everlasting father. Paul was serious about knowing God. We can wonder why Paul would write such a thing. Why do you want to get to know God through suffering, even to the point of death? I mean, isn't that a little extreme, Paul? But you know what? Paul had lived quite a life. And he understood that life is full of suffering. And one day we will die. And we will go through trials and temptations and suffering. So why not be as close to God as possible so we can understand who he is during this time? So we can understand his suffering. So we can understand maybe even why we're suffering. We already love him because he first loved us. 
But when we begin to know him, truly know him, how that love will grow. To know him is to love him. The more we know him on this level of intimacy that Paul was talking about, on this level of understanding, to the point where we really do believe everything in this word, and we not only believe it, but we put it into practice. We trust the truth of this word. We may just come out stronger on the other side of a trial. We may come out still living for God on the other side of one of the hardest things we've ever gone through. Brother Ayers said last week, and he was talking about Paul and how Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And how Paul could understand that kind of love. How could someone, such a sinner, I mean, have anybody in the room ever murdered somebody because they were a Christian? No, but Paul did. How could someone like that understand that kind of love? That love in 1 Corinthians 13 that endures all things and hopes all things and understands all things and is patient and is kind. He had a knowledge and an understanding of God that many people have never known. He knew God in the up times. He knew God in the down times. But I think more than anything, Paul continuously stayed thankful and grateful. He never forgot the pit that he was in. He never forgot his testimony of where he was. He was headed to murder the Christians when the mercy of God shined down on him. The love of God, as Brother Ayers said last week. <laughs> wow. I can now see why Paul would say, I just want to know him. Not just in that power of my testimony. Not just in the power that I know about resurrection. But I want to know who this God is that suffers and dies for the whole world. The world that does not love him back. The world that will never serve him. Those who spit in his face. Who is this God that taught us to love our enemies and to go and do something good for them? Who is this God? I've got to know him. I don't want to just know him in all the power. I want to know who he is during the suffering. Even in his death, who was this that said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? They're stabbing him in the side. They're spitting in his face. He's got blood all over his body. Thorns, deep thorns down into his head, excruciating pain. We get a paper cut and we think we're dying excruciating pain and could say, Father, forgive them. What kind of love is that? Paul said, I want to know him. Even if it takes suffering myself so I can understand this, 
even if I go through death myself, I want to understand this. Paul was also the one who wrote to the Galatians in 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. First John 4, 7, and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Listen to this very bold writing. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Mm. This takes us right back to Brother Ayer's teaching series, that love. If we don't have that love, it's because we don't know God to that depth. If we cannot love our enemies, if we cannot love every single person in the body of Christ, it's because we don't know God. Well, that's convicting. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. The word knoweth here means the exact same thing, to know in an intimate way. He's saying if we can't love people, it's because we don't know God. If you really knew God in this intimate way, you would know love because God is love. Brother Ayers was teaching on love and the power of love. And it truly is amazing what we will do when we love someone. But why would we do something crazy because we love someone? It's because we know them. And the more we know them, the deeper that love grows. I thought I loved my husband when we got married. I did love him. But I only knew him for about nine months. And now, I really know him. Not just in the good times, but I know him in the suffering. <laughs> When you have a relationship with someone, you go through some really good times. But you also go through some really hard times just because it's life. And those times, those hard, hard times, is when you dig your heels in and you stick it out because you love them. You have gotten to know them to a point where you don't want to live without them. Now, you may think you want to live without them for a day or so. Everybody's gone through that. <laughs> but you know them. And when you know someone, 
that love just deepens and deepens and deepens. That's why we promote fellowship around here. We want to fellowship one with another. You know why? Because the more I sit across the table from you and I learn about you, the more I love you, the more I love about you, the more I understand you. And that's what these lessons are going to be about is getting to know God. Because to know him is to love him. And when you love him, you're willing to do anything that he asks in this book. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we're so 